All right, before we get started with episode 12 of the Big Life Podcast, first of all, everyone loves a good rivalry. I mean, there's Nike versus Adidas, Coke versus Pepsi. Iowa versus Michigan State. I guess that has slightly become one of them. But you know, we have to mention our completely unrivaled sponsor, Ida Footwear. Ida just does so many amazing things for the women's game, and they're truly revelizing what it is to be a female-based shoe and a female-based company. They design their shoes to make it completely unique for a female's foot, including things like their foot shape, different levels of arch support, different way that we carry pressure, and they're really revolutionizing the game by themselves unrivaled. So thank you, Ida, for sponsoring this podcast and for everything you do for women and women's feet. Thanks, Ida. Okay, Jordan, you know, normally we go into this with like a big list of like different things we want to talk about and all those things, but I just got one question for you and that's, are you sick of me yet? Absolutely not. I mean, there's never enough Sam Carey time. That's why we decided to just run it all back again this Sunday, huh? So for those who do not follow the soccer landscape as tightly as we obviously do and some others, last week was the showdown. We've been talking about the game for so long and everything that this meant about playing each other and all this fun stuff. And, you know, it was so nice. We had to do it twice. So postseason has been seeded. All the tournament games have been ready to go. And with the number one seed, you have Michigan State playing the number eight seed, Iowa. So back at it this Sunday in East Lansing, back-to-back games against each other. Let's talk about last week, though. We got to break it down. First of all, congrats, champions of the Big Ten, back-to-back. That truly is unreal, and I'm super, super happy for you. Thank you so much. It is such a surreal feeling. Um, I mean, to do it once in your career is incredible. We've talked about how euphoric that is. To do it twice back-to-back is um I will be processing this for, I think, you know, a little bit. It just happened. So I think we're still just living in it a little bit. Um, but our season's not over. There's a lot more work to do, a lot more games left to play. You know, it, while it feels amazing, um, you know, our season's not over. So you can't get too caught up in it and all the emotions that come with it because we got to run it back and play you again. The exact same thing uh, come Sunday for the first round of the Big Ten tournament. You know, I think we got to just – talk about the game, talk about everything that went down. But I think in a weird way, let's start with the end. You know, credit to Michigan. If you couldn't tell already, or Michigan State, they beat us. Wasn't a great game. And by any sense from Iowa's standpoint, and definitely something we want back. But that being said, when the final whistle blew, we had two very different moments going on. So talk about you. How did you find out that you won the Big Ten? You know, you needed other people to do certain things for you guys to secure that. So talk about what that was like. Yeah, I think, you know, we keep comparing it to last year because that's, you know, all we know and that's what we've been through. And it is so incredibly different. Last year, we won with the second to last game of the Big Ten tournament or Big Ten regular season. So we won against Ohio State and then we still had to play Rutgers for our final game. um, And we were already Big Ten champs. So this year, it's the last game and we needed Penn State to lose or tie for us to be co-champs. And we're going through the game, you know, you're just trying to, we have to beat you, you know, we have to win our game. That's the only thing we can control in this scenario. And with about like six minutes left in the game, you start to kind of like look at faces around the sideline. People are like counting down the clock. Our athletic trainers are like jumping and smiling. You know, our coaches are smiling, like everything's feeling good. And you're looking and like, you know, you know, they're, they're either down, Penn State's down or they're tied at the very least, like something good happened. And then Reagan Cox came over with like, you know, seconds left on the clock and we're like, we're big 10 champs. And we just stormed the field and, you know, it was 
like such a euphoric like incredible feeling because it wasn't just up to us you know everything had to go right Jeff likes to you know talk about the soccer gods and they haven't always been in our favor this season and this is the one thing that we were like it went right like things went right for us and we were able to come out and just do it again and to be that successful with such a new team so many people looking at you still only being the third year of success this program has seen in a long time you know it's it set the standard of what we are and what we're here to do and uh I mean yeah it was it was amazing you know being able to storm it but we didn't have like the hats and the shirts and the trophy all that went to Penn State um you know they thought they were gonna win so we didn't have any of that like we did the previous year um but we had, you know, an unmarked trophy and kind of the poster. And I don't think the university maybe really realized or knew kind of what was going on, how big of a deal this was. I know my roommates, like, we've talked about it, but it was more like, yeah, like, we have a shot. Like, you know, it could happen. It was just weird because it wasn't just up to us. And then, you know, the second question I ask is like, so can I go talk to Sam? And they're like, yeah, they're still in it. Like, we're going to play him Sunday. I was like, okay, like, sweet. Um, So I think I probably knew you were still in it before you did. I was going to say, I think that's the worst part is you literally knew before me. So my reaction when the final whistle blew was completely different. You know, towards the end of the game, when it was clear that we weren't going to come back from it, our coach started subbing all of the older girls off the field, you know, players that don't typically come off. And for me, I was like, that's either a good sign or a bad sign. I didn't know how to read into it. You know, that's just either, hey, let's just give players experience. We know we're not coming back, but we got a new game. Or this is, hey, this is your final send off. And I didn't know which way to feel. And I think all of us older girls were like kind of sitting on the bench, you know, getting emotional already, like thinking we were done. And when the final whistle blew, I mean, I got so emotional and girls are all hugging me and everything. I thought my career was genuinely over. And I was like, now nah, I'm not talking to Jordan, man. Like, I know she'll understand. Like, you're all celebrating. I'm going to go cry. Like, totally fair. And it's really crazy. But actually, the first person to come up to me and put their arm around me and really talk me through, like, my career potentially being over was your head coach, Jeff. You know, we had a nice little moment. He was definitely consoling me and talking me through, like, a bunch of feelings that I was feeling. And all of a sudden, I turn around. And I was like, oh, shoot, our team's huddling. Like, I got to go. And in our team huddle... You know, I'm in the back and all of a sudden my coach goes, he's like, hey, today was not our day. We did not play good soccer, but those soccer gods are in your favor. And the two teams that we needed to do something in case we lost did their job. So we were big Ohio State and Rutgers fans. And because of them winning both their games, they eliminated the teams that we were in contention with. And the next question was, does that mean that we're literally back here on Sunday? And so there was so many emotions that went into this playbook of, oh my gosh, we're literally playing each other again. Like run it back a week later, literally. So, I mean, I'm so thankful. Obviously we get one more shot at life a little bit um, in a long way of saying that. So thankful, but yeah, there was a lot going on at the end of that game. I mean, I definitely, I can't even imagine. I, I have a question real quick. If let's say this was your last game, would you have wanted to be subbed off or would you have wanted to stay on the field and like oh, finish it up? Yeah. So I never would have wanted to be subbed off. And I kind of knew like as much as I didn't know, you know, those little feelings you get in your gut. I'm like, if my coach is subbing me off right now, like we have another shot. And I, that just kind of played through my head. I'm like, there's no way he would take me off this field if I was actually done. I really don't think he would do that. And like, I kind of, I've been talking to my mom and my family since, and we all kind of had that same opinion. So that probably should have been my sign that we weren't done, but I was not processing much of anything at the time. That's, that's fair enough. I think I would agree. Like I want to, you know, end it on the field, but yeah, I mean, 
Like, this is so absurd. And I think we've talked a little bit off the podcast, but like, I don't know if this is an advantage or diff- disadvantage, a little bit of both. Like, nobody really has the upper hand. You can do your scouting reports all you want, but you don't really know until you get into a game. And now we just played each other. We have the exact same film on each other. You know, we're looking at the same pictures and we do it all again on Sunday where you're just, you know, it's it's going to be the team with, I think, the better game plan. And, you know, like you said, and like Jeff said later in the interview, I think, you know, it's a game where we came out 3 nothing, but, you know, it was 50-50 in terms of possession. You know, it was a good game and knowing that, you got to do it all again on Sunday. It's just, it's such a weird situation to be in. And I would like to see the statistics around it, how often this happens, because it can't be very often. I was going to say, this is so unique. And like in my time in the Big Ten Conference, I don't know if I've ever seen this happen where your last game against the season is against your first game in postseason. And so, like you said, we literally are going to stare at the same film all week. And the things that you're celebrating, we're poking holes in and vice versa. You know, there's going to be so many different moments where we're analyzing and trying to figure out. And, you know, we joke all the time, like, oh, yeah, we're going to come out in a 118 or whatever when I'm talking to you. But it is how do we make a new game plan in a week against a team that we just played and knows us very well at this point. You know, it was between you guys and Nebraska for who we were going to play because you guys are the co-champs. And, you know, we were almost hoping Nebraska, not because of you guys or anything, but because we played Nebraska four weeks ago at this point. You know, we've grown since then. We've developed since then. Other teams have played Nebraska, poked holes in them, whatever it may be. But quite literally, we're just running it back. Like our flight was actually overbooked on the way home. And I was like, shoot, just leave me here. Like, see you next week. Like, I'll just go hang out with Jordan. And it's been it's been a fun. It's so unique. And at this point, it's just kind of like if got to embrace it. That's all I, that's all I really can say. Yeah. I mean, you definitely there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, we're going (laughs) to run it back. And I think, uh. You know, I get to make a lot more comments about your your face mask here as we go. Um, I was going to say, so now that we're talking about post-game, let's talk about the actual game. Biggest news of the week, not biggest news, but in my life it was, it felt like. So I gave Jordan a little sneak preview the night before the game when I sent her a little snapshot, but in a weird way. So long story, I broke my nose in high school. Uh, didn't really do anything about it. Just kept living my life. It wasn't bad enough where I needed to get surgery or anything. It was just like a small little like shift. So against Michigan, I went and blocked across. I'm going out chasing a girl into the box and the girl gets her head on it. And the ball then just ricochets off my face. Um, the joke of the team right now is it was the, um, my nose saved the season because if we would have lost that game, we would have been done, but I reshifted my nose in the opposite direction of where I broke it in high school. So I actually set my own nose with a soccer ball this weekend. Nice. So weird. I know. The, the doctor's looking at me and he's like, your nose looks really straight. I go, I think that's the issue right now, bro. <laughs> like pulled up photos and my nose is straighter than it was before. So it's a weird turn of events, but we're living in it, you know. Um, but I had this really, really cute face mask that I have been advised to wear for the rest of the season rocking in the first half of the game that Jordan just loved commenting on I mean you looked ridiculous just absolutely absurd just it was the entire face like I mean it has to be because it's your nose but I was just like there is no way this is the girl that like I've been doing a podcast with for so long because that's like our first impression too like I see you on this computer screen for 12 weeks we talk for what a couple hours every week and you know I feel like I've gotten to know you but like we haven't met each other in person until that moment the first time I'm seeing Sam Carey is standing on the soccer field with a full mask on. And I'm just thinking like, wow, one, she looks ridiculous. Two, she's very tall. This is not what I pictured. And three, she's fast. 
Yeah, okay. So I was going to ask, the best part about this game, and like, as soon as we drove our scouting report, I was like looking at this, and you know, obviously I've been so involved with Iowa soccer, I don't really watch much Michigan State, and in our scouting report, we put up your typical starting lineup, and I'm like, okay, where's number 12? Like, that's obviously the question I'm first thinking. I'm like, oh my god, like, I knew she played forward, but no part of me process that you're literally like, you play in a two front and you are right forward. And I was like, Jordan is going to be my responsibility this entire game. Like we, it's not like, oh, we were on the same field together. Like Jordan and I stood by each other for the game. So there is definitely some exchanges between the two of us. You're also tall. Um, I, I kind of knew that because you're also, you know, very good on set pieces and I was well aware of that, but it was just kind of like, this is like so funny. Like it, it was hard to process. And so nice 1v1 battles. Everyone I think is definitely going to have to tune into this 1v1 game all day on Sunday next week, because there is definitely, there's one moment vividly in the second half. You're driving towards goal it was literally like a 1v1 between me and you and I almost started laughing I'm like this is so unreal right now like I can't think about this like this is so funny I know this person and now we're here and it's a lot happening and I was feeling a lot of emotions on Sunday but it was wild marking you I'm not gonna lie yeah it was like it's one thing because a lot of times like you're on my back so you know, sometimes I forget, like, that Sam Carey back there, you know? Like, I know her. Um, It was, like, when I'm staring you down for throw-ins. That's when I was, like, <laughs> like, yeah, this is this is weird. You know, this is fun, but this is weird. Um, You know, because, like, I'm just, like, standing there. I'm taking away your center back option, essentially, and you're just standing there with the ball for, like, 30 seconds, and I'm, like, just watching you. I'm, like, yeah all right like this is the girl I've been doing a podcast with for 12 weeks now you know um the best part was the little comments and so I was wondering how our personalities were going to come out on the field and we kind of joked about it here or there like I'll crack a joke now and then but also I mean frankly our performance wasn't in a mood where I wanted to crack too many jokes um as a team as an you know all those different things but my favorite was at one point I threw the ball and I think you ran by me oh you have a long throwing bro and so just, <laughs> the little things were like, I was just like, snap me back. Like, it, honestly, like in a very serious game, it made my, I'm like, this is fun. Like, this is like just a great moment. To, like something just to laugh about. Frankly put, like after the game, one of my biggest hugs was from your mom. I was like, this is incredible. Like, I love this. So I'm so happy with the little community we made. And it, it was a fun time. I got to know, um, you went on a little rant about respecting referees. And then, and then you had our game you had Michigan which you can tell that story and then you had ours um I want to know your thoughts and opinions on any retractions you may have had on that rant or are you still sticking with it you know we're talking about the soccer gods and I wonder if there was a little bit of karma that kind of ended up in my life a little bit so the Michigan situation was weird and I know it's a contractual obligation with PRO which is a professional referee organization um and the center who was supposed to do our game got a call about 20 minutes before kick that if he was to do this game, he'd get fired. And so naturally he goes out to the coaches and goes, yeah, I'm not doing this game because he's a ref that does like MLS and WSL stuff like that. So in his contract, he only can do so many like extra games. Well, that then meant we were down a referee. So our game was delayed while they tried to track down another referee in the Michigan area, which is just a very interesting scenario that I've never heard of in the college game. And then Michigan State, you know, it's very interesting and it's very hard for me because I actually personally know the ref of the Michigan State game. I'll say it. It was very interesting the way that some of the calls were going. And, you know, Jordan and I have joked off the pod, like, and I think she would agree. A lot of them were against Iowa. Some of them very legit. You know, there was a PK in the game, 100%. You know, I'm not questioning that of any regard. 
but I felt like a lot of things were against Iowa in this game where I was like, all right, I can't, I can't touch Jordan right now. I can't touch anyone. Like it's just, we're not going to defend right now because it's just not working. Yeah. I, I remember training to you at one point being like, what, I don't, what was the call? Like, was it offside? It's in the middle of the field, but like who, what, what happened? And I think we've, I mean, I don't know. I, I made my statement when you went on your rant. I think we've had our fair share where, you know, we felt that way where you're like, you literally breathe and you're like, it's a foul. Our last game against Illinois, um, it was a throw in. I had the ball at my feet. I went to go like kind of just like slide and pass off. Not a single soul was by me and I'm getting threatened with a yellow. I was like, how did I foul anyone? I have the ball, first of all, like, and it, it's just, I don't know. There was one of those in our game too, where like our forward came up with the ball and was dribbling and then got called the foul. And we were all like, that was a great scoring opportunity. And we were like, wait, what? Like there was, there was some really interesting ones. There are, there are some, some interesting ones. It'll be, you know, hopefully it goes a lot better on uh Sunday for both of us, you know, nice spare game. I was but... like, that's like at the end of the day, like, listen, like, first of all, you can't ever blame a referee for a game. It's an unfortunate fact. It's just something you can't control, but you know, we are two very, we play like the interesting thing about Michigan State and Iowa, and this was a large portion of our scouting report is we are two very similar teams. You know, we might line up in different formations. We might do things here or there differently, but the core foundations of who we identify as, as a team, you know, the grittiness, the aggressiveness, the mentality is very similar. And so I think that's why when we joked earlier about being the two like leading foul teams of the big 10, that's where a lot of that comes through. And so I do feel bad or respect or I don't know my opinions about the referee on Sunday's game because I don't know if he necessarily or she necessarily knows what they're getting themselves into uh, yeah yeah for sure I think you guys probably took the lead now um and who knows maybe maybe we'll re- redeem our throne on uh on Sunday here it can go either way you know every game's up in the air with that but I did think it was very very funny considering your rant that that's how it all played out for you this past week yeah, you know, I'm gonna be really honest. I don't know how well this week was. Like, broken nose, some interesting calls. I got to hang out with Jordan though, so that was the best part. I mean, nice, nice little battles going on. And like you said, at least at the end of the day, uh, we both left the field relatively happy. Yes, yes. I was very. I mean, the first thing you know after the coaches, I was like, "Are you gonna go talk to Sam?" I was like, "She's still in it, right?" They're like, "Yeah, but we're gonna play him again." You know, how are they gonna feel? I was like, "She's gonna feel great. Like they're still alive." Yeah, <laughs> like this is great. This will be a great podcast episode. Like at that point, put me against anyone, put me on the field one more time. So no, it's been an absolute blast. And I don't know, Sunday, like I'm, I'm so excited at the end of the day. Like, obviously we both wanted to go in our favors. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, for both of us, there's a lot at stake for us. We're pushing, you know, we understand that we're a bubble team. Uh, I think right now, like we're in the current projections, like a last four in type situation. We have an RPI of 46 and typically top 48 get in. And so, you know, we're on that line, but frankly, a win against you would solidify that for us. And obviously you guys want to go back and probably recapture that big 10 tournament title after losing in the finals last year. And so there's so much on the line for both of us. And, you know, with that said, I think it's just an exciting, good soccer match. And that's what I'm most excited about. Like there's teams in the big 10 that like you like to play. There's teams in the big 10 that maybe you don't as much. And no matter what happens, you know, we actually joke, like, because we have so many girls from Michigan and Michigan, you know, isn't terribly far for us. Like a lot of time East Lansing becomes our second home field in the sense of the crowd is relatively, you know, I would say it was probably 60, 40, 35, you know, 65. 
um, Michigan State to Iowa. There was a good amount of Iowa fans there. And so it's just going to be a good soccer game to watch and take in. And that'll be the fun part just to play in that moment. Absolutely. There's still a lot to play for for both teams, like you said. And I think real quick, you know, let's just look a little bit forward with projections of how the rankings all turned out because there was a lot of craziness. A lot of things changed Sunday with, you know, luckily we ended up getting the first seed right after us is Nebraska. Number three would be Wisconsin and number four would be Penn State. So all four of us are going to host for the first round of Big Ten tournament. The next two rounds will be in Columbus for the semifinals and finals. In our bracket on our side, the winner of, you know, us versus you on Sunday, Michigan State versus Iowa will then play the winner of Penn State and Indiana, the number four and number five team. Um, And then Wisconsin Rutgers will play the winner of Nebraska and Ohio State. So those are the two two brackets looking forward here. And all of us are playing for a shot to go back to Columbus and hold that trophy high and, you know, keep our season going as long as possible. Cause that's the real, like, you know, you don't win this game. You get out in the first round. You're looking at two weeks of practice before you hopefully maybe get a shot at the NCAA tournament, but there's no guarantee. So with the conference games, the conference schedule, you know, you don't get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. What gets you in is the big 10 tournament. So nobody's been guaranteed a spot yet. Yeah, that's the crazy thing right now. And, you know, as a team, like I remember our Big Ten tournament journey and we finished that season 13 out of 14 in the Big Ten. And the only reason we made that Big Ten tournament was because it was COVID and everyone made it that year. And so we were never on the question for an NCAA tournament bid until we won the Big Ten tournament. And I remember by us winning, we actually like they were projecting at that point to take like four Big Ten teams, let's just say. And because we won, we kicked Wisconsin out because they couldn't take that many Big Ten teams. So, you know, it's at at this point, like regular season's over, seedings are over, they're set, they're done, and a new part of the season begins. And like I said, I, for one, like for us, our season ended yesterday, last year. So we're a team that didn't make that cutoff. And there's some talented teams that didn't make that cutoff. You know, for example, for us, I know like there is a battle between five teams for three remaining spots. And that's like why it mattered for us about who won and the fact that we still lost, but we got through. So for us, it was between Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan, Northwestern, and us. And we frankly got lucky in the sense that Ohio State played Michigan and Rutgers played Northwestern. So in a way, they were kind of eliminating each other. And in the way that we needed it to work, we couldn't have Michigan or Northwestern tie or win. If any of that happened, we would have been out and they would have taken that eighth seed. So soccer gods coming at us a little bit, protecting us, giving us another second chance at life right now. And, you know, those are some great teams in Michigan and Northwestern that just got just shy of the tournament as well. And frankly, Michigan still has a super high RPI from a couple of their great non-conferences and they're projected higher than us to make the NCAA tournament right now. And we're still playing and they're not. That's the craziness of this all is their season's not over. And so, you know, it's a crazy time to be a women's college soccer player and, Focusing on your games, but also understanding the bigger picture is a crazy aspect. Yeah, absolutely. There's just so much that goes into it and goes behind it. Um, You know, as players, we just, you know, this is what we know. But for the most part, we just kind of show up and you you have to do your job, no matter the situation or the surroundings of it. You show up and you win and that's all you can control. So, you know, that's kind of our motivation, our game plan as you move forward into this postseason. And, you know, you'll hear Jeff talk about it a little bit more in this interview, but a lot of games left to play, hopefully. Absolutely. The other one last thing I do have to put on the record from the matchup, and I don't want to jinx myself because I understand that there is quite literally another matchup. 
But on our last episode, there seemed to be a lot of threats between you and Bella about a double nutmeg situation, a single nutmeg situation, a lot of them. And I would just like to put on the record that that did not happen. No, but Bella did fulfill her end of the deal and she did put one in the back of the net. So I would still consider it a win. (laughs) We're saving the double nutmeg because we knew we were going to have this matchup somehow. We just could feel it. And we're like, we'll save this for like the biggest game and thus being Sunday. So don't worry, Sam. It's still coming. All right. All right. Well, make sure we keep an eye out. Everyone watching and everyone listening. You better keep your eye out too, because I don't know. Jordan said I'm Pacey, so she better be ready for a couple harder tackles at that point if she knows what's coming. It's all right. I'm I'm more than ready. I think uh I think we'll have a good matchup again. You know, I think it was it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun the last time. I'm looking forward to running it back. So we'll see. Like I said, we just gotta go hang out and like they can play 10 v 10, but we'll just we'll chill and do our own thing. You know, have some in the fun. corner picking flowers, like <laughs> having tea time we record with the podcast during the game i love it we'll bring our mics out little halftime show boom the big life let's go dang that's got to get some views it's got to it's got to all right well as we mentioned we have an incredible guest on today's episode we have the hoss jeff hostler who shares his incredible coaching journey what it's like to be back-to-back big 10 champions and his insights into a very tactical game on sunday against the iowa hawkeyes so Thank you, Jeff, so much for coming on. And it was a great time talking to you. Thanks, coach. Episode 12, I think we have my favorite guest thus far. Three-time national champ. I got to say it or else, you know, I might get benched. Three-time <laughs> national champ. And now as of Sunday, two-time back-to-back Big Ten champion, Mr. Jeff Hosler, Michigan State's very own women's soccer coach. How you doing, Jeff? I'm great, man. That is the best intro I've ever had. And you are so full of it but I appreciate the intro. <laughs> so just so everyone knows, we did uh, have a different interview yesterday, Jordan and myself with one Dean Linky. And he told us the entire time that we were not allowed to refer to you as Jeff, but we had to call you the Hoss. Uh, he's really trying to get that nickname to catch. So if it's between Jeff or the Hoss, you never know which ones you're going to hit with apparently. Sam, we can follow the same rules that I have with the team. You can call me anything pretty much other than Mr. Hostler, uh, and and we'll be good. So that is Dean's favorite shout out, 100%. Uh, I'm good with that. Whatever you want to roll with. And, and you can't disappoint Dean if he's asking for it. You got to deliver. Exactly, exactly. All right, so we just got to ask the big question off the bat, and then we'll get more into your story. But as Jordan said, as much as it might be to my dismay a little bit, back-to-back Big Ten champions in your third year with this program. Can you just talk a little bit about what that feels like? I mean, it's it's pretty surreal in the same way that, as we'll talk about, you know, the fact that I'm the coach here at Michigan State. This experience, um, I'm, I'm just so blessed to have such incredible people, incredible women in our program, incredible people around our program, uh, our coaching staff, support staff, administration. Man, to do it twice in a row is, is incredibly unique and uh, very, very fulfilling for this group that, you know, after last year's success, you know, they just didn't know what to expect. Uh, it's hard to replicate a season like we had a year ago. And while this path has been different, uh, this group has done a good job, you know, being where their feet are, focusing on the day and giving their best performances, which can lead to the results. And uh, we've been fortunate enough to put ourselves in those positions and and get those results. So, uh, so happy, you know, people like Jordan and Justina Gaynor and Celia and Reagan Cox and among others that are key returning players that, they maybe had more of a secondary role to step up into primary roles this year and be accepting of new faces coming in, I think is incredibly challenging and unique. 
uh, to be able to do that and be successful. So long-winded answer for you, Sam, but uh, thrilled uh, and so many thanks to you know this group and, and the support staff we have here. You mentioned a little bit about having new faces as well. With 15 out of you know our 31 group being new coming to this program, how big of a role do you think both those freshmen and those transfers coming in played into the success of this season? Yeah, I mean, I think, as you know, it was key. You know, several of those transfers end up cracking into our starting 11 pretty quick uh, and have played really significant roles with Caitlin Parks in goal, Gabby Mueller uh, playing as our 10. Uh, that's really kind of hitting her stride the last few weeks and playing her best soccer. So among others, you know, that have got added some additional depth off the bench, have had some roles in the first 11. Uh, I think it's allowed our players uh, to challenge themselves because as the talent level increases, they have to continue to improve uh, to earn those opportunities. And we've had some freshmen. I know you had Bella Najiran. Man, what a year that kid has had. You know, she's been as advertised. She's been incredible for us. You know, I think our SID, Jordan, said that, you know, she's leading our team in goals right now. So, you know, she is a midfielder and we do have forwards. So we'd like to see maybe those stats change a little bit here. Tied. We're tied. <laughs> oh, okay. We're tied. All right. Well, as we were co-champs, let's look to be leaders in our department and uh, move forward there. Um, but it's been, it's been super cool. You know, the integration of this and, and Jordan, uh, and as I mentioned, the gainers, uh, Reagan Cox, MJ, I mean, all of our returning players that were on last year's team, the way they've accepted that group formed, uh, real authentic relationships, both professionally and personally has given us this chance at another title and, and obviously being able to go secure that. That's awesome. You know, you talk about your transition to Michigan State and the fact that this is only your third year within that program. And before that, as we mentioned, you had great success at Grand Valley and even, you know, in your early coaching career. Can you talk about, you know, your path to Michigan State and everything that that involved a little bit? Yeah, super unique uh, path. Uh, it is a literal grassroots path for me. So upon graduating from college, I, I was back home in the Lansing area. Uh, I began by coaching middle school basketball, middle school girls basketball, and ninth grade high school soccer. So uh, from there, I became a varsity assistant coach later on. I began a, a club coaching, ended up being a club director uh, in my later days with the club uh, before then getting a first opportunity as a head coach at, at barely 26 at my alma mater, uh, D3 school, Alma College, that I was thrilled to go back to. Um, had such a great experience there as a student athlete and to go back and be the head coach there uh, for eight great years uh, before getting the opportunity to coach at Grand Valley State, where, as Jordan alluded to, we had incredible success. But, you know, I'd be remiss to not give so much of that credit to your coach, Dave Deani, for the program that he effectively built. And I had to step into some, this is the only occasion in my life I've had to step into massive shoes of Dave, because you know our height discrepancy. So <laughs> from a professional output standpoint, massive, massive shoes that, honestly, one of my goals every day was just try to fulfill the legacy that he and, and those players built um, and try to perform at the same level while doing it with such character and grace that they demonstrated. So with that Grand, Grand Valley for seven years before having this opportunity to truly come home, I'm an East Lansing native, uh, literally went to East Lansing High School. So to be able to be back here in town uh, with actual family and so many friends in the community that are like family to us and do it at such a prestigious university like Michigan State is, is, is something I can't, you know, I count my blessings for every single day. With you coming into Michigan State and then this only being your third year as you got that job, could you, what was the biggest thing that you changed within the program to see the level of success that we have had in three years? I think straight away, I mean, we were coming into a situation, you know, 
I mean, Jordan, you and I came in at the same same time. So um, and we've heard about your recruiting process on this podcast. So I won't blow you up a little bit now. You've done enough damage to yourself talking about how naive you were through this process. But stepping into the program, I mean, it was a team that was coming off a really tough spring. Uh, they hadn't gotten a result during that COVID year. It's obviously very tough for, for everyone playing through it. Finished, I think, dead last in the Big Ten. And effectively, we retained that same roster with the addition of Ava Cook that came with us from Grand Valley, Lauren DeVoe and Justina Gaynor joining us with, with Jordan in her class. But the rest of it were all returning players. I think the biggest difference, and, and as I've been asked the question about what does it feel like, well, who do you owe credit to, that kind of thing. I mean, we don't win the championship last year, nor this year, if that first team of returning players wasn't so open-minded and trustworthy of the coaching staff and what we are trying to introduce because we were asking them to do very different things than they had in the past, uh, both stylistically when it comes to the tactics of the game, uh, from the commitment level in regards to the amount of hours we were putting in. I mean, Jordan, you remember our first year, like if there's 20 hours in the week, we were using the 20 hours, you know, whether that's through training, scout, film, lift, uh, team building, preparation, culture building, uh, the amount of time and effort and commitment that went into it. But then, like that group was so good about just giving us everything and every day at training where we could train at different levels, uh, hit our appropriate loads and be ready for game days. And, and thankfully knock on wood, you know, remained healthy throughout the course of that season, which made a big difference. So overall buy-in, I think it shows you a lot of the, the, the will that we have as humans. When you, when you trust something, you believe in it, uh, the power that it can take you. And I think that first group was just remarkable with that. And obviously that first year we finished fourth and, and had us in a great trajectory, but the way that we then attacked it in the off season, players like Jordan uh, got after it and those long winter months at Duffy Doherty indoor building uh, to get ready for what we were able to accomplish last fall. So one of the questions we get asked the most on this podcast from younger girls who listen is recruiting processes, how that kind of stuff goes. And Jordan's alluded to conversations y'all have had about how you probably wouldn't have recruited her. It's something that she's openly said. So when it comes to recruiting, obviously it's a large blanket, but what would you say are some of the keys that you look for in those younger players that you want to start bringing to Michigan State? All right. I'm calling Jordan out a second time now because Jordan is a player I would have recruited. I just would have had to have explained everything to her during the recruiting process. <laughs> okay. So those are two different lines of thought there, Sam. Uh, Jordan was a very good youth player and, and obviously a very, very good college player currently. Uh, so yes, I would have recruited Jordan. I just would have had to explain everything to her. And I think, I think that's an important note for all these young players, uh, whether they're recruitable age or they're younger than that right now, is that I think the first thing to understand is there's no two recruiting stories or processes that are the same for any individuals. Every player has a different path. They have a different story. They play at a different level. You know, every coach has a unique methodology to the recruiting process. Uh, every coach has a different process to how they go through timelines. And it's just super important to trust, like, you knowing you and what you're looking for in your processes, because it does happen at very different times. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think you guys had Ava, Ava Cook on before, correct? And I don't know if you guys touched on her recruiting process, but, like, that's one of the coolest stories of all time. Did you guys touch on her process yeah, when we talked? Absolutely. Okay. You know, I mean, this is like she had like no options. I mean, she was a walk on for us for two years at Grand Valley and was like arguably the best player in Division II soccer history. 
uh, before joining us here at Michigan State and, and obviously being drafted and, and doing so well with the Chicago Red Stars. So I use that story at every one of our camps and clinics uh, because I think there's so much value in it. And it also demonstrates the difference between physically the growth of a player from one year to the next, uh, whether you're talking freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, but also the tactical acuity and the overall ability. So my best advice is understand every process is different. Uh, I, I think it's also misleading. Like so much of recruiting has to be done by the player towards the institution that they desire to play at. It is a two-way street, just like any relationship. And the more you stay in the forefront of the coach's mind, uh, the more they're going to be thinking about you. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that's changed since me and Sam have gone through the recruiting process is the use of social media. You see a lot of kids with like Twitters now or Instagrams or things that, you know, social media is specifically for soccer, highlight reels or things like that. How much has social media played a role in the recruiting process these past few years? Yeah, it's another incredible resource that that these young players have that you're right, you know, probably didn't wasn't well, certainly wasn't nearly as prominent two, three years ago. For Sam, that's like six, seven years ago. Uh, but for you, Joe, a couple of years back. So it's um, it, 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 it's a big part of the process now. And we find a lot of footage that way. It's not just by, by players emailing us or seeing them play live at events, but their ability to tag us, to, to send us DMs uh, with their videos, um, their accomplishments, to put us on their radar if they're younger than the recruitable age or if they're recruitable age, to have some interaction that way. So um, it's, it's an incredible resource. And I think one that players need to continue to have you know, throughout this whole process. So a bit more about, you know, we've obviously been documenting basically the college soccer season since preseason through our own eyes. And Jordan has been very open about, you know, the highs and lows that Michigan State has had this year with maybe an arguably not as great non-conference as expected based on everything you all did last year. Can you talk a bit about the momentum swings that college soccer is and as a coach and how do you tell your team to handle those situations? Yeah, like, I mean, Jordan broke our first rule in the summer where she went out and got hurt, you know, that made it, that made it difficult for her and some other players to kind of help our team be the best, but obviously you can't control that. And I'm full on joking. Uh, yeah. But she, um, you know, I, I think for us that off season is such an important piece. Uh, and you're right. Non-conference didn't, didn't go the way we would have liked to see. Uh, and I, I've been talking about this a lot lately as we've made our run here through big 10 play is that this team specifically, with all the new faces that Jordan alluded to, I mean, half the team's brand new. And with the expectations you have, I mean, we're not hiding on anybody. When we, you know, whether we're playing a, a mid-major program or another Power Five in our non-conference, like they know who Michigan State is from last year. And so uh, I think we're getting everybody's best shot. I think it took a long, little bit longer for every, everybody to come together, both from us being able to teach the game we wanted, to settle on a system, uh, to settle on positions for that matter, because we've had, I mean, Emerson Sargent has played, has started at left back, at left center back, at eight, uh, at 10 and at nine this year. So, and that's a, you know, all ca all league caliber player. And so we had a lot of settling in to do Sam early in the season, uh, but that non-conference portion is incredibly important, you know, as you guys had a great non-conference. And I think you non-conference were top 20 RPI or close to that which is the, obviously the, the major metric for the NCAA tournament committee and puts you in a position now, even as an eight seed in the Big Ten tournament, to be considered and be maybe in this NCAA tournament. You know, unfortunately, we're going to have to try and stop that with the results coming this Sunday. Uh, but to put yourselves in that position, it's because of the non-conference that you all had down in Iowa City. And so every game matters. Every game you schedule matters. Every result matters. And 
I, I think at this level, though, the, the, the hardest thing to get across to everybody all the time is how literally every play matters. And Joe can attest to this. A number of times we do film and it's like what you would think is that ambiguous throw in and you're attacking third that we turn over and then they find a target and they set it and switch it. And then they're in our box and they hit the post. And that could have totally altered the outcome of the game. Just how much details matter. I think one of the biggest questions that, you know, we get asked or that people find interesting about Michigan State that makes us unique is your lack of captains. Can I've spoke on it a little bit. Can you put in your words kind of why we don't have captains and the reasoning behind all that? Yeah, so without a doubt, I mean, every team needs needs leadership. And captains is a typical way uh, for people to identify those players that everyone's going to turn to for that leadership, whether it's verbal, nonverbal, um, or character. Uh, I actually kind of learned this lesson. You know, sometimes you learn as a coach or as a player through behaviors and demonst- examples that you can appreciate and respect. And sometimes from like where it just miserably failed. And frankly, that, that's kind of how I learned this lesson a little bit. And then spent a lot of time talking with Nick Colton, who works with our team uh, in terms of performance, uh, mental performance. And we had a team where we had some captains that like it kind of became a popularity contest. And it came about the things they saw most important for them as opposed to the whole team. And it put us in a position where our team was fairly divided. Uh, when they fought a favor in terms of the lineup, they weren't in it, uh, became, you know, it disrupted our chemistry. And so I kind of learned, like, I came up with this idea of like, well, why can't we just all lead together? If we're already asking as a coach of our players to lead the ways you're most comfortable, that everyone has a voice. And we're telling freshmen their voice is as impactful and powerful as any senior's voice, whether it's on or off the field. We need to do that in a way that demonstrates it differently than saying, you're a captain, you're a captain, you're a captain, you're the voices we're always going to turn to. It also is an incredibly, I mean, it, it carries a lot of weight when you're the captain, the amount of responsibility you have to lead your team all the time, to be worrying about the collective group, sometimes even more so than yourself. And I think that's an incredible burden sometimes to wear. So we had a lot of conversations with, uh, I had a lot of conversations with other college coaches, even club coaches. I talked with Nick uh, so much uh, about this idea it really came to the decision that like, look, everyone's got their ability to lead. Let's tap into their best way of leading and point to those as positive examples and try to empower everybody. It's not necessarily everyone's empowered equally because everyone's going to have like, as you know, every player knows when you walk into a locker room, different players have a different presence about them. Like, you know, when certain people and players are in the room, but that doesn't mean a shy, quiet kid can't lead every day by the way they train. They take care of the locker, you know, their team serving first. And you can still point to those examples and help empower them, which are all part of that confidence building process. So yes, very unique. And honestly, like I, you remember first year, like there are times that the coin, I remember the very first coin flip we had and everyone kind of staring at me like, okay, who's going to be the captain? And I intentionally just kind of looked and was like, uh, you and you go do the coin toss. And I didn't say go be captain, I said go be the, go do the coin toss. And it kind of set the tone for all that here at Michigan State, but Look, everyone has so much to give. I don't want to diminish anyone's ability to do that. And this way it worked. Uh, it, it takes a lot of work, I think, within the program to talk about why you're doing it that way. But that's also something I've never shied away from is explaining why we do it. And as Sam is now learning on this podcast, clearly I'm not short of words. So I, I'm all good with that that step. That's awesome. You know, we all know soccer is a small world. And so it's funny in the sense of like you coach at Grand Valley, Dave coach at Grand Valley. And actually for me, my childhood best friend played for you for a little bit and Mackenzie Jones at Grand Valley. 
So hear the name back and forth all the time and you hear other opinions, but I'd love to hear from your voice. What would you describe your coaching style as? Um, I think my coaching style is, look, I got, I got into this whole profession because of the relationships that I built as a player and the connection that it meant, uh, the support system that was in place and the lessons that I learned through that mutual respect and trust. Uh, I view my job as, as being a teacher, being a teacher of the game, teacher of life. You know, the conversations I have with players that are, I, I think I have three relationships. I think I have the professional on the field relationship with our players. I think we have the professional off the field relationship with our players, like video, individual meetings, things of that nature. And then there's that that all-encompassing personal relationship, who you are as a person, how you support that person, how you help them grow um, through life lessons. I mean, college is an incredible opportunity for growth during that four years, but it's also very challenging. The life situations that occur during your college years, family members getting older, uh, the dynamic of being away from home. I mean, there's just a lot that that's encompassed there. So I, I, I like to believe that relationship first format um, is a big piece of, of the methodology. Recognizing myself as a teacher and trying to remind myself that that these are all still young people learning how to play the game as opposed to expect them to know all the answers because I'm an old man now and I don't know all the answers and I'm still learning all the time. And so you have to kind of frame that context sometimes. But I also think I'm very real with the expectations that we have and communicating that on an individual level and knowing that we need to coach each individual differently based on the the demands that they they need and desire. And so um, I think we're honest. I think we've, we're very transparent with our feedback uh, also, um, but also in a way that can help empower and motivate our players. I have to agree. You know, definitely the honest feedback, something I definitely have learned to appreciate over the years. And then the relationship off the field is, you know, that family dynamic of Michigan State. Just even when you bring your family, I mean, some of these away trips, you know, you get to see, you know, your wife and your kids and all of them. And it's become, you know, an all-encompassing kind of group where, you know, every aspect of it is involved. So We've talked a little bit about, you know, your journey as we get in here, um, you know, the feeling of winning as of Sunday. But now as we head into the postseason, is there a shift in mentality as it's, you know, you win or you're out? Or, you know, I, I know the answer to this, but <laughs> <laughs> in your words, like what's kind of what are you thinking as you go into postseason? Do you change anything? I appreciate you giving that caveat, Jordan, because I have to text you on the side if you don't know the answer to that one by now. But <laughs> for us, it's not. And that's something we harp on. I think so often when this, I mean, every, the stakes are high in every match uh, we've gone through in this conversation alone to talk about the RPI, how important each match matters, no matter who you play. So securing three points every time out is, is the ultimate objective. The goal is playing your very best on the day. It's being prepared for the moment, mentally, physically, emotionally. It's understanding what you need to do within the session or the film or in preparation for your opponent. And then it's going out executing those ideas through your work rate and ability with the ball or in your mind to help execute the tactics of the game. So it's about being where your feet are and giving your, your max effort when you're there, being all in on it. I think if you do that consistently and repeatedly, I think it reduces the game anxiety within the match. If you're worried about the winning, then you start paying attention to the scoreboard. You start paying attention to the standings, the other games that are happening across the league or, or the country. And then the game anxiety gets gets much higher. But if you can focus on and control what you can control, uh, I think that makes all the difference in the world and, and sets you up for the best chance at success. Is that what you were going to say, Joe? <laughs> Absolutely. Word for word. All right. <laughs> You're not getting the text after is what I'm hearing. <laughs>
past. All right. I got to ask, we are in a unique situation where obviously you're talking to someone from Iowa and Michigan state. You played Iowa on Sunday and in the crazy turn of events, you play Iowa on Sunday. <laughs> Going into that weird kind of transition, you know, we just played each other. We play like again. What is unique about that? All of it, all of it's unique. Um, and I think it's, I think it's really challenging. I mean, we, as we know, the quality of Iowa, uh, the, the amount of prep that took for us to get ready for Sunday's game and to be able to execute. Uh, I don't think the score line is maybe necessarily reflective of the performance of both teams on Sunday. We have the utmost respect for for Dave, uh, for their staff, and for the incredible talent you all have on your roster. And it's not just talent, but it's experienced talent. You know, the likes of of you and Macy and, and then – you know, as I made an old person joke earlier, the even older Josie Durr uh, on your roster and big game experience. I mean, you guys have done this before. You've been in the postseason. You know, your Big Ten title, as you know, being a big key part of it came by way of the Big Ten tournament and going on that run. So you have the history and experience and ability of that. Uh, we're hoping to draw on ours uh, from last year's tournament run uh, to the Big Ten final and, and having the NCAA tournament experience. But it's an incredibly unique situation because – now we're going back through film and, and you're watching the games through a like very nuanced lens where there can be some big adjustments made. There can be some small adjustments made. There can be some set piece wrinkles that are some things, you know, and it's going to be a long week of our team getting prepped because if we're going to roll out this, you know, nine or eight, one, one formation, we're going to be really good in it. Yeah. At this point, you know, like I said, I'm going in keeper. Macy's our center forward. We're doing a lot of crazy stuff going on in Iowa too. So just, it's going to be interesting. Sam, look, with all the different things you've been able to accomplish, whether it's refereeing or Girl Scouts or soccer, if there's anyone that could play sweeper keeper, you're probably it. <laughs> Did everyone know I about these girls? and everything. I'll make Dave know. Face mask on if I have to do it. I, I did notice the face mask came off for second half. Was that like literally showing your game face off or what was going on here, you know? The face mask got very annoying and I was very sick of <laughs> it. Doctors were too but we'll move on. <laughs> I think it was all my little comments, you know. Yeah, Jordan was bullying me through the game. If we want to talk about your team culture, we can talk about Jordan telling me I look ridiculous in the first half. Well, I mean, you guys have had had plenty of time to poke fun at each other through these. So when it comes to appearances and things, I think you guys have gotten after each other enough. <laughs> it's okay. Dave got after me too, if that makes anyone feel better. So if it comes from your own coach saying that looks don't matter, then it just it doesn't matter. <laughs> There you go. That's right. It's all about how you play. All right. So obviously you had a great successful year this year. What is there left for people to look forward to with the group that you have? I think there's a lot. Uh, I, I told our team on Sunday for as incredible accomplishment as it was to win the Big Ten uh, this year. That's the regular season title. And what I'm most excited about, as long as we come back, you know, focused to work today, I mean, we train in about an hour. So to come back and, and start this week on the right mindset, uh, to put in the work and, and refocus ourselves, I think will be challenging. Uh, that needs to be accomplished today. Uh, but I think there's still the potential of playing our best soccer. Uh, I think we've been playing really well. You know, we're on a five-game you know streak right now. We we dropped some points at Indiana, but we haven't had a loss since that Penn State game. You know, over over five matches ago, and I think we have the opportunity to be playing our best soccer still. And with a long week, I think sometimes players, you know, they're like, oh, it's a long week. I want to get back into games. And this time of year, you're in that cycle where you're playing all the time. As a coach, you know, I hope the group is in the same mindset as us, where this is a really unique opportunity to, to really get better as a group because we can effectively train instead of always worrying about regen and doing smaller sessions. I think it's a real opportunity for players to individually develop 
within our team construct uh, going into Sunday's contest. So no regen today? I got to double check, double check those player loads. <laughs> okay, so as, <laughs> as a little kid looking at Michigan State, looking at the success they've had and wanting to come here, what's the number one piece of advice you'd give to anyone looking to kind of join our family here? Man, I think it's focusing on the the day to day. Put yourself in the best training environment possible. Understand that, like the love of the game happens through the pursuit of it. Going to your team training sessions and, and just living in that environment probably isn't going to be enough to set yourself apart. It's also not going to help foster the love. You know, do the thing in the backyard, get the juggles in, uh, get the ball striking in, get the reps. I think it's a great way to connect with family too along your way. It's a process. It's an everyday one. Uh, I think chasing that dream is important to have it on the forefront of your mind and not just thinking that it can happen because as much as you want to talk about the opportunity, the reality is there aren't a lot because of the sheer numbers of, of people out there that play the game and those that get the opportunity because of roster size across the country, whether you're talking Division One, Two, Three, NAI, JUCO, there's only so many players that get opportunities in college soccer. And so doing things to separate yourself, but also taking care of your body, taking care of your schoolwork. Uh, the best advice, Joe, because you know this, I'm a parent of three, my oldest is 12. The best thing to do to get yourself ready for college is stay off your phone and go out and do the work. Unless okay. you're watching, unless you're watching the Big Life podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. This year is going to look completely different than next year. What are your kind of thoughts as you look at this conference realignment and just all the craziness that's going to come with next year's season? Yeah, I'm excited to have four new members joining our conference. Um, and, and of those, you know, you have the the reigning national champion in UCLA. You have the two-time national champion in USC joining us. Washington, that produced actually the most pro players of any program graduating class a year ago. Uh, so you've got three very strong programs and an Oregon that everyone knows is on the map from, uh, you know, brand and, and you know, brand because everyone knows about Oregon, especially all the Nike schools. So uh, you've got four elite programs joining. Uh, the landscape is going to be very different. The scheduling is going to be uh, challenging for everybody in involved. You know, you're not obviously not going to have the ability to play. Everyone makes it challenging as well. So I think there's going to be more emphasis likely moving towards the Big Ten tournament in, in 24 and beyond uh, in order in, in terms of being able to crown a true champion. But I'm excited for it because it elevates our conference, you know, this year, in non-conference play, the Big Ten was very, very close to being the top uh, strength of schedule and win percentage uh, during that process. So the Big Ten right now, I mean, has teams that did not make the Big Ten tournament, which is only eight of the 14 that are in strong consideration or likely to be included in the NCAA tournament uh, when that field is announced in a week and a half. So it's an incredibly strong conference already. And to be able to grow it with the ones that we have joining. Look, I, I know I'm biased, but I'm making a strong plug that the Big Ten starting in 24 is going to very clearly be the top conference uh, when it comes to women's soccer uh, here in America. That's an awesome opportunity. Obviously, I've joked with Jordan plenty of times. It's going to be weird that I'm going to be watching it from afar and not actually in it, which will be a whole new perspective. But then maybe I guess I could cheer for Michigan State here or there, only when they're not playing Iowa. We'll see. Only Jordan, Jeff. That's simple. Well, Jeff, I just want to say thank you so much for giving us your day. I know you have training in an hour. I know you're going to run that amazing recovery session and talk nothing about Iowa or the game at all coming up on Sunday. So greatly appreciate that, you know, agreement we've made. Um, but 
once again, just thank you for coming on. We so much appreciate your time and your perspective of everything that you've done. It's a pleasure being on. You guys are doing an incredible job. I think you guys having this format out there for young players and even college players alike to share mutual experiences. I hope you're making a lot of connections together. You know, I, I, pretty cool experience too for you guys to be competing against each other this past Sunday. Do it again this Sunday. Uh, I'm super proud of you both for the messages that you're sending for the ability to connect to people and, and share your experiences, which takes a lot of courage too. So keep up the great work. Uh, I tune in every week and we'll look forward to continuing to do so. Thank you. Awesome. So Thanks coach. All right. So off recording, Jeff gave us the full scouting report against Iowa. So I'm very excited to use that to our advantage. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could say, but no, once again, we're so thankful for Jeff for tuning in and giving the experience. You know, I, Jordan and I are both a little nervous going into this interview. I feel like it's it's a bit vulnerable to talk to your head coach. And for me, a coach I go against quite frequently in my career. So we're so thankful for him coming on and sharing his experiences and his journey. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it was a very hectic, well, I know it was a very hectic, you know, interview field filled day for him. So for him to make the time to come on here, very appreciative. Not that I gave him much of a choice, but... You know, if not, I would really appreciate it. Let's go get those player loads up, Jordan. Maybe run some sprints at practice. Get some get some high reps in. You know, you can be afford to be sore on Sunday. I mean, I was going to pick up their slack here, their weight on this podcast, though. I know. You know. Okay, I'm on it. Dave is a greedy's coming. We will make it happen. I don't know what's happening with all these MSU guests, but Iowa will be coming just for all you Hawkeye fans out there. You know, Jordan, Sunday, what are you looking forward to, bud? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to a rematch. Um, I would, you know, talked about it a little bit off the podcast, but just like seeing you for the first time in person going like, oh my God, like she's way taller than I thought, first of all. And then two, like incredibly fast, you know, you were definitely like, I knew you were fast. You were in the scouting report, like whatever. But like, I remember that first like race we kind of had, it was like a 50, 50 ball and we took off and I was like, okay, change the game plan. <laughs> This is not going to work. I just love, like, I felt like we were just hanging out, man. Like, you and I could have actually just backed out against the sideline, and they could play 10v10, and we'll just hang out for 90 minutes over there. Yeah, my favorite part was just, like, how ridiculous you looked in that mask. <laughs> like, funny. absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that you took it off at halftime shows that you knew it just as well. <laughs> you know, it's hard when you're not reminding me every minute, but I did, the doctors would say they recommend me wearing it the rest of the year, and that just sounds like a great recommendation, so... We're going to find out what happens. Um, I look forward to seeing it again Sunday, maybe, huh? We're, we're joking now. We're going to bedazzle it. We're going to like spray paint it. It's going to look cool. If I'm going to wear it, I got to look better than what it was. I, I would agree. <laughs> well, Jordan, go get to your practice. Um, see you on Sunday. Back at it for another showdown between Michigan State and Iowa. Cannot wait. Super excited. Can never get enough Sam Carey, huh? That's simple. All right. See you later in soccer on, guys. Bye, guys.